chapter 11 tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. Hold your spot there. We're also going to look at Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter uh, number uh, 2 tonight. And so a couple different places uh, we're talking about uh, having a testimony for God. Having a testimony for God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 5 talks about... uh, well, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter number 11 is known, uh, we didn't talk about that this morning, but we all uh, have been in church long enough to know that Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith uh, chapter in the Word of God. And you see um, consecutively there, after he talks about faith for a few minutes, uh, he talks about by faith, uh, by faith, uh, by faith, uh, and these different uh, men and women uh, that lived their lives by faith because as, um, as Abel did, um, he lived, um, he, after he died, his life still speaks. And so that's really what a testimony is. Testimony is not just now. Testimony is in the future. Testimony is when we're no longer here and people are remembering uh, our lives and um, reminiscing uh, about our lives. I always say uh, at uh, funerals, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the gift of, um, of memories that uh, we have with loved ones um, that we make, those memories that we make. And I always say this. Uh, jettison the bad and keep the good. Because there's, ba- there's good and bad memories all the time in just about every relationship. And so get rid of the bad and keep the good. And uh, those are blessings from God. And we remember things about people. Um, we remember that they were uh, a witness. We remember that they were uh, a prayer warrior. We remember that they were um, uh, good men, good women that lived, uh, lived a pure life and lived, uh, for the Lord. I, I, I think back on people and so don't you, um, you know, when I think of a witness, uh, brother Tom, not that other people aren't a witness, but every time I think of a witness, I think of Hoke Smith. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I mean, I don't care if you were saved 40 years, he was going to give you the gospel. And uh, if he gave you the gospel last time, he go do it again. And, uh, and he did it in the hospital, and he did it uh, traveling. I remember when I first got here, and uh, I'd go and uh, visit our shut-ins. Many of them are now with the Lord. It's been so long ago. And, uh, but I'd go in, and I'd visit with them. And, and uh, one thing about shut-ins, one thing about shut-ins that's almost universally true, they don't want you to leave. Okay, So they want you to stay there. Um, and I've, I've told some of my shutters, listen, you keep me any longer, you're going to have to feed me and give me a bed to sleep in. I mean, I can't stay any longer, but I used to go and I used to go make these visits and, and, uh, this is what I'd hear all the time. Well, brother Hoke did a Bible study with us. Well, brother Hoke did this. Well, brother Hoke stayed three hours. Well, brother Hoke, I said, well, brother Hoke was retired. <laughs> I said, I can't do that. And, uh, but uh, brother Hoke, brother Hoke, but, and I remember that. I remember, uh, matter of fact, we were going to the, um, oyster, uh, roast with the man and, and, uh, me and, uh, brother, uh, Blake were talking about and, and, uh, we were talking about old John Henry and, uh, Chance and talking about, uh, what a good man he is. And I said, I said to brother Blake, I said, yeah, you, he reminds me of your daddy. You know, you, you remember 
you remember things about people and you remember those good things about people, you know what you're remembering? You're remembering their testimony. You're, you're remembering now. Is there bad things to remember? There's always just get rid of those and remember those testimony things. And uh, Enoch was a man who walked with God. And Enoch was a man who pleased God with his life. And um, he had a testimony. What was his testimony? I'm sure it was a full testimony. I'm sure if you could make a list, I'm sure that list would be front and back of a, of, a, of a sheet of paper. I mean, you could probably go on and on and on about Enoch. But you know what the God says about him? He pleased God. What a great testimony to have. Be a man, to be a woman that pleases God with uh, their life, with their testimony. So he says, by faith, verse number 5, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, is it impossible to please him? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So one thing that we can say about Enoch unequivocally, he was a man of faith. But it doesn't say that. Yeah, it does. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Bible says that he pleased God with his testimony, so he had to be a man of faith. And uh, certainly many other things as uh, we remember the importance of our testimony, how we live our lives does matter. It does. However long we're here, um, it matters while we're here. It matters when we're gone. It matters to our families. It it matters to our church. Sometimes, listen, if, if if you have a bad problem with road rage and you have the church's sticker on the back of your car, it's a bad testimony. Do you know how many times I've been driving the church van, going to the hospital, and Wendy would be with me and say, Babe, you're driving triple B. That's what we call it because it's the, the book, the blood, and the blessed hope, the three Bs. And so you're driving the triple B. Church's name's all over it. You can't cut people off. You can't yell and scream at people. And uh, I don't roll my window down and scream at them, but, not, not, you know, I scream at them through the window, you know. And, but here's this advertisement. On the side of the van, this is Rinkin Baptist Temple. Follow me to my church. You've seen those signs before? Sometimes they want to follow them to the church and tell their pastor, listen, you need to tell these jokers to take your name off, your, off, off the back of their car. Why? Because you're not having a very good testimony. See, our testimony does affect people. And it affects uh, uh, not only us, but it affects people around us, uh, uh, people that are closest to us, uh, and even uh, people that are just watching us and could be perfect strangers in our lives. But our testimony does matter and it does count. So if we're going to have a testimony that pleases God, there's got to be a regeneration of the Spirit. We talked about that this morning, a regeneration of the Spirit. We must. John, uh, in the book of John, chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, ye must be born again. There must be a regeneration of the Spirit. We need to be 
redeemed and Jesus provided uh, that way. If we're going to please God, it's going to be through a regeneration of spirit. And then number two, I want to talk about tonight, if you'll turn back with me to the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter number two. Not only must be a regeneration of spirit, but there must be a renewing of our thinking. There must be a renewing of our thinking. Do you remember we talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. For you that have been, that were saved later in life like I was, I'm, I'm not who I used to be. Uh, praise God for that. I don't think like I used to think. I don't act like I used to act. Now, every once in a while, it'll come back, right? You know, this, this flesh, it's a fight. It's a battle. Uh, if you have no battle, there's a problem. Listen to me. There's a battle. Paul talks about it. It's the flesh against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and they're, and they're contrary to one another. Your flesh says, feed me, feed me, feed me. I want to lust. I want to envy. I want to get angry. I want to get bitter. I want to have unforgiveness. So it's just your flesh is saying. You're, the spirit saying, listen, I want to love. I want to, I, want to, I want to forgive. I want to have patience. You know, there's a, there's a difference between the two, and they're contrary to each other. And so that battle is going on uh, uh, within us uh, uh, all the time. But understand something. Uh, in our lives, we should have a desire to feed the Spirit. We ought to have a desire to live for God. And the only way to do that is to adjust our thinking. Adjust our thinking. You can't think like the world and act godly. Do you understand? Do you understand the world has gone wacky? Please tell me you understand that the world has gone off its rocker. I don't know if we switched on our axis. I don't know if we're spinning a little bit faster or a little bit slower or something has gone crazy in our world today. I mean gender pronouns and all this garbage that's going on in the world today. And I mean, you listen to me. We have gotten to the place where we call good evil and evil good. We've gotten to that place in our life, in our world today. And so it's gone, it's gone nuts. It's gone wacky. So you can't think like the world and live for God. Listen, you, you can't serve God. That's what Scripture says. You can't serve God and mammon. Can't, listen, you've got to stop straddling the fence. I mean, you're either going to live for God or you're going to live for the world. You're either going to live for God or you're going to live for self. You can't do both. You can't hold on to both. One of them is going to slip. The more you're in the world, the more you think like the world. The more you're in the world, the more you act like the world. The more you hang around. You know, my mom used to say all this. You say, you say this all the time. Birds of a feather flock together. Mom used to tell you that. I mean, your dad used to tell you that. Uh, you probably said that to your kids. Birds of a feather flock together. You hang around them long enough, you're going to look like them, you're going to act like them, you're going to talk like them. Just the bottom line. Do you know when Peter tried to deny the Lord? I said, you can try all you want to, but you look like them, you talk like them, you act like them. You can deny it all you want to, but we can tell, we know that you've been with Jesus. Isn't that a good thing to be said about you? Listen, you can try to deny it all you want to, but I know you have been around Jesus. You've, you, you've been, listen, you see, if you see me and then you see my dad separately, you'll know he's my dad without a doubt. The, the older I get, 
the more I look like my dad. I mean, that's just, isn't that how it goes usually? I mean, it's bottom line. You could tell. I mean, you could tell that he is my dad. You can tell when you've been around Jesus. But listen to me. You can tell when you've been around the world too. You start talking like it. You start walking like it. You ever caught yourself? Anybody ever caught themselves? I mean, ever, you ever caught yourself? You're going down. You're just going too far down that direction and you have to stop. You have to, sh- you have to start thinking about some things. And you've got to renew your mind. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2. Back with me in Philippians chapter number 2. Listen, listen to what the scripture says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter number 2, and verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think about this verse in Romans chapter 12. Very familiar passage of scripture, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? By the renewing of your mind. You might know what, that is, what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to this world. We're so worried about what we what we look like and, and, and keeping up with the Joneses and keep, I don't know it's the Joneses. The Joneses, I'm sorry, Joneses. Um, it's kind of like the average Joe. You know, he always gets the, the average Joe always gets it too. But keeping up with the, uh, uh, keeping up with the, uh, yeah, Smith, that's not fair either. Smith's too. Uh, you know, keeping up with whoever, the next door neighbor, right? And that's what we're doing. We're always keeping up. We're always trying to, hey, I need, this needs to be better and I need, this person's got something better than I do. And, I, and our thinking is geared towards materialism. Our thinking is geared towards humanism and secular humanism. Instead of our thinking being geared towards God. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Do you know where we get that word transformed? It's the same word metamorphosis. It's the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That's the same idea. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world change you into something that you're not. Let God transform you by the renewing of your thinking. So what do we need to do? We need to think differently. And by the way, you don't think differently on accident. You think differently on purpose. The things we do, we do on purpose. The things we do, we do, we should be doing with purpose. And so as we're thinking about this Philippians chapter 2, this mind of Christ, every born-again child of God ought to have or ought to desire to have the mind of Christ. What kind of mind did Christ have? See, these are the questions we need to be asking. Just practical questions. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what should our first question be? What's, what kind of mind was it? If we're going to have that mind, then we need to know what kind of mind the Lord Jesus Christ had. Think about it with me here in Philippians chapter number 2. Number 1, he had a holy mind. 
He had a holy mind. Look with me in verse 6. Who, this is talking about Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Whoa, equal with God. Let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. He was perfectly holy and pure. Perfectly holy and pure. If you're going to be thinking like Jesus, then you need to be thinking holiness. You need to be thinking purity. We shouldn't be having uh, worldly thoughts all the time. And by the way, we allow things to get into our minds through the portals of our ears and through the portals of our eyes. And, and, and our mind becomes the playground of the devil. The devil plays around in our minds all the time by the things that we allow to get into our minds. Your mind is like dad in, dad out. It's like a computer. You see, stuff gets put on a computer, right? And um, I, I don't know how that got there. Well, it got there because somebody put it on there. It didn't just magically appear. Data in, data out. That's how a computer works. What's in your mind is somehow it got put in there. It's like a child. You ever notice children are absolute parrots? They repeat what they hear. Some of you that have been teaching in the school system for years and years and years, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. Some little kid comes in and says a word, and let me tell you something. He didn't just make that word up. He heard that word from home. He heard that word from another kid. He heard Somewhere along the line, somehow that data got into his mind. And data in, data out. They're parents. That's why you should be careful of what you say around your kids and grandkids. That's why we should be careful how we act and how we react. Why? Because people are watching, and so often people just parrot the behavior of other people. People that they respect. People that they think uh, have their best interest at heart. If mom does it, why can't I do it? If dad does it, why can't I do it? Listen to me. Listen to me, son. Do not smoke cigarettes they're bad for you. Do you understand me? What kind of lesson is that teaching? It's saying, by the way, it's saying truth. They are bad for you and they cause cancer. But if you're smoking while you're telling them that, what you're telling them is contrary to what you're living. That's just an example. I mean, there are so many other things we talk about. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's important. Is it important to pray? Is it commanded to pray? Yes. And we can tell our kids, we need to pray, 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 pray. And our kids never see us pray. We tell our grandkids, pray, pray, pray. And our grandkids never see us pray or never hear us pray. We talk about it, but we don't do it. We're not backing up what we say with what we live. And so we've got to, that testimony is an important aspect of it. And we're not going to do it if, we're not, if we don't have holy minds. He, of course, his mind went from holy to divine. We can't have divine minds, but we can have holy minds. 1 Peter uh, 1 and verse 16. 
we see the command and we see the comparison. What should I be thinking of? What should I be thinking on? Listen to me in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I call it, after I got saved, I figured out, I kind of figured it out on my own, and then I learned it through the years, but I figured out that I needed a replacement, the replacement theory in my life. There were things that I was listening to that I knew I couldn't listen to anymore, so I needed to replace that with something else in my life. There were people that I was hanging out with that I was no longer able to hang out with, and I had to replace them in my life. And I learned the replacement theory. It really helped me to get my thinking in the right direction. Because I want you to know something. If we don't have pure thoughts and we don't have holy, holy thoughts, we'll talk ourselves into doing the wrong thing and telling ourselves it's the right thing to do. I mean, we do. We come up with all these excuses. We come up with all these ways to say, well, you know, I mean, it's really not that bad. I mean, I'm not murdering somebody. Well, for some reason, we always pick something that we think is a bigger sin and say, well, we're, you know, I'm not in jail. I mean, it's not. It's, we say this all the time, you know, when you have, a, when you have a, a, an addiction, right? We all have them, by the way. And, and I, have, I, have, I have several um, you know, books. I've got, book, got a book addiction. I've got a Bible addiction. I mean, I've got some addiction. And when somebody says, well, it's a, it's a, you got a, you got an addiction. I, well, at least it's not heroin. <laughs> For some reason, we always do, you know, we always go to something that's worse to excuse what we're doing. And we said it this morning. We're going to stand before God one day and we're going to be without excuse. We're not going to come up with some excuse of why we didn't live our lives the way we should be or uh, how we should be living it. A pure mind. Make sure you're thinking holy things. Uh, Think on things that are lovely and think things that are pure and think on things uh, that are of good report. He had a holy mind. Number two, verses seven and eight, he had a humble mind. He had a humble mind. Look what he says. Chapter 2, back in chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A humble mind, a sweet spirit, and a servant's heart. You know what we're missing in our churches today? Sweet spirits and servant hearts. Where can I help? Where can I be a blessing? How can I be a blessing? What can I do to be a blessing? And we're missing that in a lot of churches today. Why? Because we've, we've stopped humbling ourselves. We've stopped having humble minds. We're living in a generation of people that are full of themselves. They're full of themselves. They, they think an awful lot of themselves. I like, to, I like to watch all kinds of different sports. And I just love to watch spectacular feats and records that are broken and, 
And uh, it, it really doesn't even matter what the sport is. I just, I, just, I just love to watch it. But, man, one thing that drives me crazy is arrogant people. I mean, they got this God complex. That Let me tell you something. I am God's gift to this sport. And some of them, I'm telling you, they'll go down in history as some of the, the best athletes in the world. But, man... They messed up their lives because they had this God complex about it. I, I've, you know, Kyle loves uh, golfing, and him and Devin will go golfing from time to time, and me and him will go, and I don't go golfing. I don't have the patience for it, uh, but uh, I'll go to Top Golf and, 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 and play Top Golf, or we'll go to a range or something like that. And uh, I just love to hit it around a little bit, and I, I love to. I love to watch some of these great golfers, Bill Mickelson and Jack Nicholas, and I mean some of these guys were something else. Well, I've just been doing this, this uh, watching Tiger Woods in his early years. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, you talk about top of the line. I mean, he was something. Let me tell you something. He thought he was something too, and he wrecked his life. I mean, just wrecked his life with bad decisions. Now, I get it. Listen to me. When you're a sports celebrity or when you're out in the, everything you do is everybody sees it, okay? I I get it. It's like living in a small town. You do something and everybody knows about it. You know, before your family knows about it, they know about it. And so it just, with Facebook and Instagram, I, I, get, I get all those things. But I'm here to tell you, if you think too much of yourself, you're going to make poor decisions. What do we need to do? We need to clothe our lives with humility. So the scripture says, it's something that's learned. Humility is something that is learned. Being humble is something that is learned. Why? Because within us, there's arrogance. Within us, there's pride. And pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. It's coming. Because you're not as great as you think you are. I mean, that's the bottom line. If we think too much of ourselves, it's going to hinder our testimony for the Lord. So what do we need? We need a good dose of humility in our lives. You see it in Hollywood. You see it in sports entertainment. Much of the praise and the worship that is going on is geared towards men instead of being geared towards God. And God's the one that gets the honor and the glory, uh, not we. We need to humble ourselves. We need to have a uh, we need to have a holy mind. We need to have a humble mind. First Peter five and five says that we need to be clothed with humility in our lives. Peter not only gives us the what, but also the why. For God resisteth the proud. And give grace to the humble. You see, we need to clothe ourselves with humility. Why do we need to clothe ourselves with humility? Because God resisteth the proud and uh, gives grace unto the humble. Have a, a humble spirit. Have a humble mind. Have a servant's spirit. Be ready to serve. Why are you doing what you're doing? You ever stop and ask yourself that? 
Why do you come to church? Why do you serve at church? Why do you work in BBS? Why do you do, why do, why do, you do the things you do? Because if we're doing them for people, we're going to stop doing them. If we're doing them for ourselves, we're going to stop doing them. If we're doing them for the church, we're going to stop doing them. We need to do them for the Lord. And if we're doing them for the Lord, then it doesn't matter what man says. Do you understand that? If I worried about what man says, I'd have stopped doing what I'm doing a long time ago. And so would so many of you. Do you know there's a lot of people that have stopped doing what they're doing because of what man says? Because they're doing what they're doing for the wrong reasons. You see, you can say what you want. You can say what you want to me. You can do what you want against me or, or for me. But let me tell you something. I do what I do for the Lord. That's why we do it. Or that's why we should do it. And we need to have that uh, holy and humble spirit, that holy and humble mind, knowing that if we pleased God, it doesn't matter who else is pleased. Humility is exhibited throughout the Word of God, but never more clear than when Jesus stooped down and washed His disciples' feet. Remember that story? You remember Jesus comes in and he girds himself and he begins to do the form of the servant. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, but in, um, in the, back in the days there were servants and then there were servants to servants. There was levels of servanthood. And the lowest of servants washed people's feet. Remember, they didn't have Hey Dudes and Reebok and Nike and they didn't have... What did they have? They had bare feet or sandals. I mean, that's basically what they had. And um, they'd come in and everything was dirt. I mean, it was, it was one, uh, uh, paved highways. And I mean, everything was dirt and there was animals and there was all this stuff. And so when they come into somebody's house, especially somewhere that was wealthy, they would come in and they had servants and servants would wash the feet of the guest when they came in the house. And here's the disciples. They're all lined up. They're in the house. And Jesus come. He girds himself. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He begins to, uh, he begins to show his humility by doing the basest thing that they could possibly do in, serv- in servanthood. And that is wash feet. Matter of fact, Peter recognized it. We give Peter a hard time for opening his mouth, right? But let me tell you something. Peter recognized it. They got down to Peter. Do you ever, you ever notice? Nobody else said anything. Right? This is the, by the way, this is the second time that I know of in Scripture. The first time, Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. Right? Here now, Peter's the only one that says something, washes all of their feet. Nothing is said until they get to Peter. And Peter says, whoa, wait a minute. Was Peter's intentions right? Of course they were. What was Peter thinking? Peter's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Jesus, there's no way you should be washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. That's what Peter's, Peter's idea was. Well, of course, Jesus was teaching a lesson, obviously, teaching a lesson on humility. And he tells Peter, listen, I don't wash your feet. You have no part in me. Peter changed his tune pretty quick. <laughs> Start at the top of the head, go all the way down to the tips of my toes. Wash me clean, wash me pure, wash me whole. He got the lesson. But I want you to know, he got it right to begin with. I should be washing your feet. I should be the servant. Do you realize that we are the servants? 
We should be. Now, I'm not here to institute washing feet. I think people do that in some churches. I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to go that far. I'm not touching some people's feet, all right? I barely like touching my own feet. So I, I, I don't touch people's feet. I, I know, I know uh, uh, Brother Steve used to say all the time, Brother Dwayne, uh, let's start greeting each other with a holy kiss. I'm like, Steve, you're not kissing me, Bob. All right? I mean, just, no, nobody kissing me. My wife, that's it. I'm not kissing anybody else. And so uh, I know there's some customs that were there. But what, the point wasn't the custom. The point was the show of humility. That was the point. That's why he washed her feet. Why? Because he was a servant and he wanted to, uh, the Bible says in Philippians 2, he became obedient, even obedient unto death. 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, when, when Christ exalts you, that's the kind of exaltation you want. Not when you exalt yourself. Not when you think more of yourself. Have a holy mind. Be pure. Change your way of thinking. Make a decision. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to act. This is where I'm going to go. I've given this testimony before. I wasn't saved hardly any time. And... um, I was on the phone with Wendy. I don't even remember if we were dating or not. We were talking for sure. And um, I got off the phone with her. I got off the phone with her abruptly because we were all fixing to go to the sports bar on base. I was in the military. And um, I just got saved and uh, hung up the phone with her. And, and uh, she knew something was wrong. She started praying. And I come out and I kind of felt a little funny. You know, I didn't know much about Holy Spirit conviction. I didn't know much about any of those kind of things. And, and I thought to myself, I'm just, this is what I'm talking about when we, we, we excuse things. I'm just going to watch the game. Because you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't go back to your, you know, Roman, you know, 65-inch TV. You didn't have those things. I mean, there's just, I mean, you didn't, it wasn't exist. And so you wanted to watch something big on a screen. You went to the sports bar on, on base. And so, uh, uh, so I, I, I jumped in the car. Uh, matter of fact, I, I remember the kind of car. It was one of those old cars where you didn't even have the four doors. The seat you had to pull up, and everybody kind of climbed in, the, climbed in the back. And there was like 16 people in this little tiny car. And, and I'm shoved all the way in the corner. And they said, man, you been on the phone for hours. And they started, you know, chewing me out, being on the phone. And I said, let's just go. And we started going. Man, I started feeling worse. I thought I was going to throw up. My head started hurting. I mean, I started... So maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't. Go. And then I started thinking about what's going to be there and who's going to be there and what they're going to be doing there and how I'm going to be, how I'm going to, if I'm going to excuse myself from, excuse myself to go there, then I'll excuse myself to do the things that you shouldn't be doing while I'm there. It's just one or it's just two. And stop the car. Everybody goes flying in this little, I don't even know what it was, like a Nova or something. I don't know. It was this old, old car. And I said, let me out. Springer! I said, let me, I'm going to start running you people over. Let me out of the car. So, like, you ever seen the clown cars where they just keep getting out? You know, they're getting out of the back seat. The guy had to get out of the front seat. Put the. They all started getting out, and I got out and ran, ran back to the, oh, oh by the way, it was 
you know, those telephone booths that Superman got changed in. Yeah, that's who you had to go and talk in. And so I ran back there and called Wendy and said, I just, and she explained a little bit of that to me when we were on the telephone. And, and, but, you know, it was, a, it was a change of thinking. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be a, I'm just going to change my mind. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to go here anymore. I'm going to decide to be right, to be holy. We don't get saved Go to bed and wake up the next day sanctified. Woohoo! I'm perfect now. I'm in Christ and now I'll never sin again. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, don't you wish it did? I sure wish it did. I mean, I wish I, I, I wish I never had an impure thought ever again. I wish I never said a, a bad thing ever again. I wish I, from the day I got saved to the day I die, I never did a wrong thing ever again. If you say that, you are an L-I-A-R liar. Because we all fail. We all falter. Even if it's not in deed, it's often in thought. And so what do we do? We say, okay, hold on. I'm going to change my way of thinking. I'm going to decide I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going here anymore. I'm not going to say these things anymore. There are, some, there are some decisions after I got saved where I said, listen, this is the kind of people that were on my ship. After I got saved, I was so excited. I told everybody I got saved and God had changed my life. And you know what their goal was? They really had one goal. Their goal was, for, for the longest time, was to try to get me to say a cuss word. Great friends. Really, really good friends. And... Uh, and I said, no, listen, oh, the, he, this is just a phase he's going through. And bless her heart, some of my family still think I'm going through a phase, a, a really long phase, praise God. But, um, but he's just going this, through, his, through his phase, and he'll come out of this phase. No, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to decide I'm not going here, and I'm not doing this. So what am I going to do? I'm not going here, and I'm not doing this. Bottom line, when we, when we were in college... For, for the longest time, I didn't even know there was such thing as a Wednesday night service. I mean, I can't even tell you the time I, I went to a Wednesday night service. I mean, I, I had a 7 o'clock class, went to class until noon when, when, uh, when uh, chapel was over, had uh, lunch, went to work and worked from 2 to 2. Got off at 2 in the morning, drove all the way back home, had to shower, go to bed and be at a 7 o'clock class the next day and did that. Five days a week. I mean, Wednesday night? What's Wednesday night? Well, because I worked Wednesday night, I wasn't going to work Sunday morning or Sunday night. And my workplace came to me. And he did, they did this, did this to everybody that worked there that went to, went to Trinity at the time. And they said, listen, we need you to work Sunday night. It was always a test. I said, I can't work Sunday night. Listen, if you don't work Sunday night, you work, you're not going to be able to have your job. Well, then that's the way it's going to have to be. Because I can't work Sunday night. I'm not going to work Sunday night. You see, we act like we don't have a choice. We really do, but sometimes the choice is hard. Right? Sometimes the choice is not fair. None of us ever lost our job. I think they're always just testing us to see if we'd actually work on a Sunday night. But we made a decision. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to live our lives. And when you make that decision, listen to me, be careful. Be careful. Because the devil's on a full tack. 
I mean, he's going to try to trip you. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to deceive you. You're going to have tests that you didn't know you had. I mean, you're going to have these people trying to convince you of other things. And you make a decision for God and guarantee you, you are going to have some repercussions because of it. What you need to do, what we do, we resolve ourselves. This is who I am. And this is who I am because I'm in Christ. This is who I am because of what thus saith the Lord. Now, if it's an opinion, it's different, right? I got friends. I got good friends. I mean, they're close personal friends of, of, of Wendy and I's. I don't know that those girls have ever put a pair of pants on there. They don't even, they don't even sleep in pajama bottoms, nightgowns all the time. Their mama, now get this, was, was making culottes. Remember back in those days? Making culottes for, for her girls. The sewing machine broke. And she said, well, as a sign from God that my, my girls aren't going to wear culottes. Now, some of y'all think, man, she must have been crazy. What is wrong with that person? They didn't watch. Matter of fact, I don't think they've ever had a television in their house. And you think to yourself, what? In the you know what they did? They made some decisions. And then they lived by those decisions. Were they limited? Probably they made this decision, now this is almost completely out, but it is a decision when they were young that they would never go to a grocery store or a restaurant that had alcohol. Not that had a bar, but that served alcohol at all. And they lived in a really dinky town, so there were places they went to. And there were sales in other places. They didn't go to those places. Now, I'm not here to tell you you have to make those decisions. I'm just telling you they made those decisions and they resolved themselves. This is the way we're going to live. This is how we're going to bring up our children. These are the decisions we're going to make. And when you make those, stand on them. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. This is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. But then there are some things that are universal, church. There's some things that are right for everybody. And there are some things that are wrong for everybody. And this idea that it's wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me, this no, doesn't exist. When God says adultery is wrong, adultery is wrong not just for the preacher. Adultery is wrong for everybody. Because God says it's wrong. If it's sin, it's sin for everybody. So we've got to understand that sometimes God says it's wrong. We need to resolve ourselves to stay away from it. I'll have no part in it. Don't see how close you can get to it. See how far away you can get from it. And resolve to humble yourself and live holy. I don't know that I know one example of a person that got to the end of their life and said, man, I'm telling you, I wish I hadn't lived so holy. Well, I just wish that I was a little bit more arrogant in my life. But I have seen people that have had regret who, because of their hard-headedness, has had broken relationships of people that, with a simple word of forgiveness or a simple word of I'm sorry, could have repaired a relationship that has been broken for years and years and years because of your arrogance. Humble yourself. You don't know what he did. Humble yourself. You don't know what she said. Humble yourself. I'm not saying it's easy. Because it's not. 
And boy, when somebody says something or does something, boy, it's hard to forget. And it's hard to forget. It's even harder to forget. But listen, is it worth it in the end? We get to the end of our life and we look back and you get to the end of your life and you have so many broken relationships that, that it seems like nobody even cares that you're at the end of your life. How tragic that is. You know, I had a discussion not too long ago about somebody who is now in a very, very difficult decision in their life or a difficult position in their life right now. Probably got early onset, uh, not early onset, but have uh, the early signs of dementia and, and Alzheimer's in their life. And their family, listen to me, their family wants absolutely nothing to do with them. It's tragic. And they want nothing to do with them because of the decisions that person made in their lifetime. Now, I'm not saying it's right for the family any more than it's right for for the person. But I'm here to tell you that's what happens because we refuse to humble ourselves. We refuse to say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's okay to say you're sorry. It's It's okay to ask for forgiveness. It's okay to say I blew it. It's okay. Matter of fact, It might gain you a couple points in your relationships to know and understand that people care and you care about people. That makes a difference. You ever heard that statement? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They're not impressed with your knowledge. They're not impressed with how much you know and that you beat them over the head every time you see them with the Bible. They're not concerned about how much you know. They're concerned about how much you care about them in their life. And the only way to portray that, the only way to know that, is to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, a holy mind and a humble mind. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time that we can gather together. Lord, I pray you would bless us as we look into your word tonight. I pray that your word would look into us. Help us, Lord, to have a holy mind, pure mind. Help us to think on things that are lovely and things that are pure and things of a good report. Help us to have a humble mind. Help us to put the cares of ourselves to the side. Help us to think about somebody other than ourselves. And give us a mind that's like Jesus. A mind who saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion. Help us to have sweet spirits and servants' hearts. And may ultimately, with everything we say and everything we do, may we exalt you. And we'll thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, ladies.